Welcome back to Read with Laura Joy. I'm Laura Joy Lloyd, your host and author of the stories we read here. This is interactive, serialized fiction, where there's always more to the story and readers influence what happens next. Today we're recapping what's happened so far in the Wren Island series. We'll be talking about parts 1, 2, and 3, and there will be spoilers. So if you'd prefer to listen to the series from the beginning, pause right now and click on the link in the show notes to go to the first episode. In part 1, we got to know our heroine, 45-year-old Allison Theodore. She's independent, creative, organized, and slightly over-the-top about keeping things neat and clean. We explored Allison's incredible property, her large English Tudor-style house, driftwood-littered beach, and the surrounding evergreen forest. We got to know Allison's two dogs, Big Brown Louise, sometimes sort of acts like a guard dog. Little Lokita, who is blind, is a sweet doggy. Allison so wants to do something important with her life, and songwriting seems like just the ticket. But Allison struggles to write a song she feels is good enough. Then, spick and span Allison's patience is put to the test when her scattered aunts arrive. It turns out that Aunt Macy and Aunt Amelia aren't just here for a visit. They need a place to live, and they want to call Wren Island home. Amelia's recent diagnosis of macular degeneration means she's rethinking what her future looks like. She's fighting to keep her independence, all while her sister Macy becomes more and more bossy. Allison, sweetheart that she is, invites both her aunts to live with her and commits to taking care of them. At the island's only grocery market, we met 14-year-old Jax, the store owner's son. We also got a hint that Allison, for whatever reason, might be avoiding the store owner, Virgil. And Amelia was injured in a fall. As she traveled from the hospital back to Wren, Amelia saw her first whales, but mourned for the details she missed because of her failing eyesight. Later, Amelia imagined an extraordinary encounter with orcas. In part one, we saw orcas several times, and we learned that the people at the commune up the hill ring a large bronze disc whenever whales can be heard through the hydrophone located just off Wren. Industrious Allison ordered furniture and all the trimmings to help her aunts settle in. She tackled her new responsibilities with courage and optimism, and life on Wren felt settled again, balanced even. Then, the third sister, Allison's Aunt Shasta, showed up, flirting with the boat captain and ready to roll. And that is how part one ended. Part two began with Macy opening up about why she's so determined to make a new life on Wren Island. As a recovering alcoholic, Macy knows how fragile life can be, how important it is to be surrounded by people who support and understand you. Bringing her sister Shasta to Wren Island is part of Macy's master plan for starting over. Shasta is a hoot. She's making the most of Allison's hospitality and Allison's credit card. The list of items Shasta has ordered keeps growing, 
an espresso machine, a popcorn maker, framed movie posters for the television room, electronic gadgets for Macy, an e-reader for Amelia, and lots of Green Bay Packers gear. Yellow foam hats, shaped like giant cheese wedges, are starting to take over the television room. And that doesn't include the clothes, makeup, hair accessories, and perfume Shasta ordered. Did I mention Shasta immediately began flirting with Allison's neighbor, Ralph? The two of them seemed to be sort of, well, an item? Ralph's son came to visit and arrived with a splash, literally. Hack is a floatplane pilot on his way to Alaska and is so good-looking he, in Allison's words, causes the room temperature to go up. Shasta pushed the idea of Allison having a romantic fling with Hack, but sensible Macy worried if the relationship didn't work out, life could get awkward, well, even more awkward, on this small island. Meanwhile, Amelia entertained herself on the beach, collecting shells and collecting ideas for her list of nice things to wish for, including watching a baby bald eagle take flight for the first time and finding a whole sand dollar. When Amelia got a cell phone, she also got the idea to record videos and put them on social media. Amelia's taking on all kinds of firsts. All while Allison disappeared every afternoon. Allison's aunts didn't realize it, but Allison was feeling cluttered right out of her own home. All those purchases filling up what used to be a pristine, minimalist home. And Allison still dreams of writing a song, an important song people will take note of. But with all the distractions at her house, she couldn't focus on her music. Enter Virgil. Yes, the same Virgil who is the grocery market owner Allison avoided in part one. Virgil offered Allison a solution. Allison could work on her music at his cabin every afternoon, while he and his son, Jax, work at the grocery market. It's a lovely setup, perfect all around, except Allison revealed there has been an almost kiss between her and Virgil. But no worries, nothing like that will ever happen again, because now Allison makes sure to skedaddle home well before dinner time. And besides, the almost kiss happened before Allison saw Virgil's grocery stockroom. The moment she laid eyes on all that inventory stashed helter-skelter any old which way, she knew she and Virgil could never have a future together. One afternoon, while trying to help around the house, Macy broke several window panes, pushing Allison to the tipping point. Allison faced some difficult questions about her situation and herself. Virgil, yep, him again, suggested Allison get away by herself for a few days, take her boat somewhere maybe. So Allison headed to Reclamation Island, where a friend loaned her an off-road motorbike. Then she set off, thrilled to be on her own, and found the perfect hidden cove at an uninhabited island, complete with a pod of orcas. While tying up her boat at the dock, Allison lost her cell phone in the water. But she wasn't worried. She was independent and free for a few glorious days. Besides, she planned to set up a Wi-Fi hotspot later and check in with her aunts from her laptop. Except, while riding the borrowed motorbike on the deserted island without a cell phone handy, Allison made a misjudgment sending herself and the motorbike over a cliff. And that is how part two ended. Now let's talk about what's happened in part three. 
The first scene revealed that Allison, after that awful fall, was alive and aware, but injured, perhaps badly injured. For a while, that was all we knew about Allison. Meanwhile, back on Wren Island, the ants were in varying states of flurry. Macy worried that Allison had grown tired of them, that Allison regretted asking them to live with her. And Macy worried about the way Allison left, just a note scribbled on scrap paper tucked under a plate on the kitchen counter, before the sun was even up, as if Allison couldn't get away fast enough. Free-spirited Shasta chided Macy for what she felt was needless worrying. After all, Allison probably just wanted a break. Allison even said they might not hear from her for a few days. Amelia recalled what Virgil said. Allison is perfectly capable of taking care of Allison. But during a conversation between Amelia and Virgil about not having heard from Allison, we got a hint that Virgil might be a tiny bit worried about Allison himself. But Allison isn't the only character we worried about in Part 3. While collecting shells on the beach, Amelia got knocked off her feet by a rogue wave. She nearly washed out to sea. Once she got her footing and scrambled up the beach to the high tide line, Ed, remember Ed from the commune, offered to help. Ed drove Amelia to the commune where she warmed up and dried out her cell phone. A new friend of the commune, Judy, offered Amelia the use of homemade shampoo in bar form to avoid the need for plastic and clean clothes from her minimalist wardrobe. Amelia got the idea to simplify her own clothing closet at home, and Amelia discovered the commune keeps an aviary to rehabilitate injured birds. While Amelia was at the commune, whales were heard through the hydrophone, and Amelia got to be the one to ring the large bronze disc, monastery style, to alert everyone on the island to listen. And what about Shasta? We're worried about her, too. She's spending a lot of money with Allison's credit card. While most of Shasta's purchases are thoughtful gifts for others, some are just unnecessary. Then, Shasta told Macy she was leaving with Hack, heading to Alaska with Ralph's son. But the next day, Shasta changed her mind. We don't know why. And we got to worrying about Hack, because there was a bit of an incident when something didn't seem quite right. What happened was, Ralph suggested the ants look up the location of Allison's boat to put their minds at ease about where she was. But the tracking device on Allison's boat wasn't sending a public signal. Without any trouble at all, Hack, how did he get his name anyway, accessed information Allison had set to be private. The information itself wasn't earth-shattering. Allison's boat was nearby at a small, uninhabited island called Seal Rock. What was worrisome was that Hack had been able to get the information at all. Virgil was definitely wary. Macy worried, too, then figured Shasta would say she should take a chill pill. Meanwhile, Allison, injured and alone, made her way back to the boat. Help finally arrived, except it wasn't entirely helpful. A creepy guy named Lester docked his boat near Allison's, then ignored her requests for help, and laughed at her obvious struggles. The teenage girl with Lester, Maddie, was as helpful to Allison as Lester would allow, and Allison got the uneasy feeling that Maddie might need rescuing herself. Allison, so weak she could hardly stay upright, managed to shake off Lester and head home to Wren on her own, or so she thought until she realized Lester's boat was trailing her.
When Allison arrived at Wren, Lester had already tied up his boat at the dock, her dock, and no one was around. No ants, no dogs, no Ralph, no Hack. Too weak to disembark her own boat, Allison watched Lester stride toward her house. Concerned this creepy guy would catch her ants unaware, Allison enlisted Maddie's help and sounded five short blasts with her boat horn, the universal boating signal for danger. Then she collapsed on the deck. Maddie, watching the beach, assured Allison someone had waylaid Lester and help was coming. And that is how part three ended. Part four is already in the works, and readers are influencing the story even as I write it. Thanks so much for joining me here on Read with Laura Joy. I'm Laura Joy Lloyd, your host and author of the stories we read here. To keep reading, subscribe to the podcast or click on my website in the show notes and subscribe to receive my emails. Right away, you'll receive the most recent ebook version of the Rent Island series, and you'll be the first to hear about new developments in the story and opportunities to influence what happens next. This is interactive, serialized fiction. There's always more to the story, and readers influence what happens next. Thanks for reading with me. 